When it's your time to shine, everything aligns in a way that is irrefutable. And knowing what you went through to achieve that success makes those accomplishments that much more meaningful. For my guest today, Grammy Award winner Autumn Rowe, her journey as a singer-songwriter and producer in the music industry has not only led her to be adamant about making music that matters, but also speaking out for the marginalized groups she belongs to. You're listening to We Need to Talk. So you got something to say that is on your mind. We need to talk, we need to talk about it. You know just one conversation can change your life. We need to talk, we need to talk about it. We need to talk. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Quick shout out to all of my subscribers. I appreciate you so much. And welcome to my special guest today, Grammy Award winner, Autumn Rowe. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super, super stoked to be here. Absolutely. And first and foremost, congratulations on your Grammy win. I am so excited for you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's it's not sunk in all the way. Yeah. It's yeah. really not like it's it's so overwhelming on just on so many layers on layers on layers of what it means for not just myself but for so many people and and even like every day I'm learning something new about what it really means and it's just um it's it's a lot it is it is and and I hope that it is paving the way for like more musicians and more artists of, of your guys's caliber to to be at the forefront. But I'm curious when you first started out in the music industry, because your win does have some history connected to it. I mean, and we'll get into a little bit that, but specifically with you being a female producer, that is a very rare situation for you to be involved with the album of the year win. So when you started out in the music industry, in terms of being a female songwriter and producer and artist, what was the demographic like? Is the, And is that kind of what propelled you to want to be involved in the music industry? Um, well, I started out as an intern. Uh, I thought I wanted to own a record company mm. at 16. So I was interning for labels and um then I was an artist you know I was a background singer I feel like the thing about music is when when the music is in you the way it is in a lot of musicians it's very fluid so songwriting production singing you know toe tapping clapping uh it's all this it's all connected it's all the same it's like I feel like we put a lot of labels on a lot of things mm-hmm. that it's, it's kind of weird because, because they're also connected. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. a lot of, a lot of songwriters are producers. I think a lot of artists are producers. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, a lot of artists are, you know, songwriters are artists a lot, you know, it's also fluid. A lot of musicians are, you know, do everything. So it's, it's weird how we kind of have, the society and the industry wants us to box in like categorize everything so much even with songwriting it's like oh do you just do melody or lyrics right which i find that bizarre it's limiting it's so limiting i'm like how about you just do it all you know i I write some songs 100 percent by myself Mm -hmm. music lyrics everything I'll sing it like everything but then some some songs that I want to collaborate with lots of people it's just all very fluid so I feel like I have been producing in the way of 
um, bringing in an artist, bringing in the collaborators that I think are going to be right for the project, um, giving ideas for the direction of the of the of the song, um, saying how I want the beat, um, you know, coming up with a concept. That's producing. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that for forever, you know, for like fifteen years. Yeah, but. It's very, very, very hard as a woman to get recognized and to get a credit for Absolutely. production. Absolutely. Even if you have made the track, even if you have played all the instruments, and it's still very hard to get the credit for what you have done. Um, so I am really grateful that I have collaborators who value me yeah. and are, are fans of equality. Yes. You know, super and important. it super important yeah. and it goes it goes with the thread of the album what the album is about and um and I'm fighting for that for everyone. Yeah. You know, for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think people like you, people like Esther Dean, you know, that are paving the way not just for women, but for black women and I think people don't realize that that does add an extra layer <laughs> for you trying to push your way through and be taken seriously. And um, I think what I also really appreciate appreciate about a lot of the work that you've done is that you've attached yourself to a lot of music that has a message. And I know as a musician myself and someone who creates music with a message, like that has been very, very important to me in the songs that I write, you know, being a part of meaningful music, especially this day and age with how much is going on matters. So how important has that been for you and to have an album like the one that just won for album of the year, which is full of meaningful music with message be recognized? What is what does that mean for you? Well, the first thing it means to me is I'm not crazy because because <laughs> <laughs> probably what you've been pushing for. I have been made to feel crazy for years. Mm. Um, like I have been saying for so long, we need to stop following the trends of Vine or TikTok or whatever is trending on a so- on a social media platform that has nothing to do with music. We need to stop looking at popularity and look at what does an artist have to say? Is this artist someone that's going to stick around? Mm. Why, why are we, in, why are you investing millions of dollars into this artist? You know, like I have been saying this for so long and, 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 and I feel crazy because when I say it, people just look at me like, Ooh, you know? <laughs> right. um, so I felt like I needed to prove it. And um, it was hard, you know, and it means for me, this, this win just means like, People, people can no longer, should no longer tell a creative person that they cannot have commercial success and a message, Yeah, you know, yeah. like you, you can't continue to tell people that you can't, no one knows basically, right. like no right. one knows how this works. No one knows, no one is, a, we can't see the future. So I feel like we need to encourage creatives more to be yourself, do the music that feels good. You know, do the music that reminds you why you wanted to get into music in the first place. And we need to stop pushing people to just create music to make hits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because nobody knows what a hit is going to be at the end of the day. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous to even think that we can try to guess. Yeah. So we don't control radio. We don't control so many. There's so many stars that have to align to make a hit record out of our control, outside of the actual songwriting. So I just really hope that 
that this win, this is a win for all of us. This is a win for all creatives. This is a win for all women. This is a win for black people. This is a win for musicians. This is a win for people yeah. who have a message. This is a win. This is a win for the underdogs. This is a win for so many people. And, and yeah, I'm just, I just really hope that that message comes across. I think it did. And I, I mean, like, as I mentioned to you before, you know, I was really emotional during his speech um, because it is, it's a win for so many people, this album. And I just, I resonated with so many of the songs and it was also just a vibe, you know, like it's possible <laughs> to have good messaging with something that like makes you feel good as well. But I, I feel like with a lot of the artists that I've talked to, there's also maybe a little bit of fear when it comes to creating music with a message. So how would you encourage artists just to get rid of like what they think they're supposed to do and just go with what their heart is telling them? Because some people might think it may alienate fans if they speak out about something specifically or just anything, you know, if you start to really get more depth in, in, in the work that you're doing. There is a lot of fear. And I think we need to look back to the greats. A lot of the greats in music that we still are pulling from like the Beatles, mm. you know, um, a lot of, a lot of black female artists, you know, in the seventies and the sixties who, who were singing, you know, songs of protest, you know, Nina Simone, like we have to look at the artists that we're still talking about and why. Yes. And it was not just because they had great songs. It was a lot more behind that. You know, they all had, they had serious messages that we are still, trying to implement today. So I feel like you've got to make a, you got to really look inside yourself. Like, why are you doing this? What do you want your platform for? Do you just, do you want to be famous? Do you want to, are you here to, to, to spread a message of some sort? I think, I feel like it's a personal choice and it's something maybe not everyone's comfortable with. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like you can say anything to anyone if you say it with love mm. and anything. If it's come, if it comes from the right place, and it and it has the right intention behind it, I don't feel like you're gonna get as criticized as you think you will. Mm. You know, it, yeah. it's just it's the delivery of it and and the intention behind why you do it. So there's there's a situation I had like a few years ago with an artist who tweeted something um, political that she wasn't supportive of a uh, of a politician who was running for office and. I was very proud of her that she posted that. She was young, she was a teenager, and she was very, she liked to speak out a lot, you know, and her record company had her take it down. Wow. And they said, you don't want to alienate your fans. And as a woman who was way older than her, I was really upset. Yeah, of course. I was really upset by that because I'm like, who are, you, who are we to tell her? she can't express herself. So she, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's why you're an artist is because you express yourself. It just doesn't make any sense. So I, I would love for labels to encourage artists to, to express themselves and, you know, be who you are and put it in your music. We can't, we cannot live in, out of fear and expect to have the highest results possible. Absolutely. It's just, it doesn't work that way. I think the other thing that I always find interesting is that you hear the language like, oh, you might alienate your fans, right? But why is there never a conversation around who you might actually gain as fans 
if you do speak out about something, because then people might feel another connection to you that they didn't have to you before. I mean, I know I personally maybe not have liked an artist's music, but I saw them maybe speak out about Black Lives Matter or speak out about something. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to support them because I love what they're about. I feel like we never have that conversation. <laughs> you are so right. You are so right. There are so many people that I'm like, I, I don't know their work, maybe actors, musicians, all kinds of people. And then I see... I see a post that they say something and I'm like, wow, I, I really like that person. Yeah. Like I, I, now I want to know what you do, Exactly. you know, exactly. and now I'm looking into it and I'm, and I see them in a movie or whatever. I'm like, Oh, that guy's, he's so cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. people don't talk about that enough, but, but you know, it's true. It's super true. Very much so. Well, with your recent win with John Batiste, one of the things that I found so interesting was that, and I didn't even realize until I looked back, was that it was the first time a black artist has won in 14 years. And that's wild to me, given how prominent black artists actually are in the music industry. Like truly black artists make up I would probably say 75% of the music industry, right? So are you hoping that your win will now pave the way for more black artists and black musicians specifically to get recognized for their hard work. And was that 14 year period surprising to you? Like, did you know that before you guys even won? I didn't know that. Um, and, and I found out the morning after we won on social media and I was already emotional, but when I found that out, I was like, wow, it <laughs> just, it hit different, you yeah. know? Um, I didn't know that. And I think that, I think this should encourage people to make a body of work, mm. not focus so much on, we got the single because when we made this album, we weren't thinking about let's make a hit and no means we're like, what's the thread of this album, the messaging of this album? Like, how does, like, what do we want to express? You know, it was more of just a cohesive energy. Um, which is super discouraged. We're not encouraged yeah. to make albums. We're told albums don't sell. Yep. You know, we're told just is is it going to trend on TikTok? Those that's what we're told. Um, but I I believe you know we have to make music that I, I I'm just like look if we make a body of work that we put a lot of work into it, let's give people an opportunity to to decide. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give them let's 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 see what they think. Let's Absolutely. not just make the decision for them that they're not going to like it. That's not fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think 14 years is insane. Um, Herbie Hancock was before that. And I believe Ray Charles, um, <laughs> that, then I think it was outcast and Michael Jackson, you know, the, the list of, of black artists who have won album of the year are personally my favorite artists in the world, like <laughs> that like I'm a hundred percent behind. And I think John, you know, John is a very special person mm -hmm. and I, I believe in him wholeheartedly and I'm very proud of him. And I really believe he deserves to be on that list. Yes, absolutely. It is a well-deserved win for sure. Well, shifting gears just a little bit, because um, one of the things I also found very interesting about you is your ethnic background. And for me, um, outside of being a musician, being an actress, you know, speaking out on social justice is something that is very, very dear to my heart. And it's one of the reasons why I started this podcast in the first place, having these important conversations. And you come from two marginalized groups. You are black and you are also Jewish. So in not just even in your career, but in your life, 
how have you balanced being a part of two marginalized groups when it comes to speaking out about the injustices that they both face? Because I don't think people realize how much the Jewish community actually does face in America. Uh-huh. And I have become way more privy to it lately. And I've been speaking out a lot about anti-Semitism. But how have you, you know, balanced talking about the struggles of black community and the Jewish community in your life? Yeah, well, I'm going to say three marginalized groups because also being a woman. <laughs> yes, amen um, to that. that's true. <laughs> yes, girl, yes. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's hard for sure. Like, I grew up in the projects um, in the South Bronx. Uh, I grew up very poor with nothing. And I just, I guess where I come from, no one has anything and everything's mm. pretty dire. So that's kind of all I knew. And as I pulled my way out of it very slowly through life, you just look around and you look back and you see that where you come from isn't normal. <laughs> you see you see your peers and you realize they had such a better starting point than you did. And you realize, you know, a lot of people start from here in life, but you started from here. Yeah. And you have to work this hard just to get where they are. And then by that time, they're already here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, it, it took it took a lot later in life for me to understand a lot of that stuff. And to kind of like, then you look back and you're like, well, why? Why was I in that position? Hmm. You know, and you think about, you know, politics and economics and drug epidemics and, you know, all these kind of factors that went into it. Um, so I, I didn't have time. And, you know, when you're in, when you're in the struggle, you don't have time to reflect on those things. And you also like are in a position of um, survival mode. Yeah. So like later in life, like a few years ago, I started going to therapy and I realized I, I've never had the privilege to sit with my feelings. Mm, mm. growing up I never had the privilege to to like say like am I anxious am I what am I feeling because and that is a me, privilege and I, I that truly is a privilege I love that you use that word because that's there's no other way to describe it yeah it's a privilege and once I start once I had the a priv, the privileged life to do that I was like wow like some people really get to like analyze and, and fix their stuff hmm. You know, I'm like, this is crazy because <laughs> yeah. I didn't have time to, to even acknowledge any of it. You just push it aside. So as far as like, you know, when it comes to discrimination and, you know, anti-Semitism and all the ginormous hurdles Black people and women have to go through, I just I just have to tackle it by just tackling it mm. and by just leading by example and, you um, doing my best and speaking out as well. Whenever I see something that is, feels weird or is, is not okay. Um, unfortunately it's, you know, it's not comfortable. And sometimes I'll be in a room and someone will say something inappropriate. And I'm like, you just, you can't say that. Yeah. And they're like, why? I'm like, well, then I have to go and explain, well, because this means this and this, and you can't say that word. And this means that labor. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's exhausting. And, and some, there are days where someone says something and once in a while I won't say anything because it actually ruins my day. Mm. 
to like have to go there. And I just know the conversation is going to come out of it. And I'm like, oh, do I want to like ruin my whole day today? It's like figuring it's navigating how to protect your peace in that moment. Yeah. And your mental health, honestly, because I think that's the other part of it is that people don't realize how mentally exhausting it is having to deal with that, because I'm sure there are people that one look at you and may think you're ethnically ambiguous. Right. And they may make comments that are about both of the marginalized groups that you're a part of and they don't even realize you're a part of them. It's that type of stuff that's exhausting and having to choose, okay, what am I going to do in this moment? Do I have to say something? Like, oh, no, I got to go somewhere, to, you know, I got to go meet a friend in an hour. I don't want to be in this kind of mood, you know. It's a mental gymnastics to go through on how to navigate that on a day-to-day basis. It's exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's especially exhausting, I feel like, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's exhausting everywhere. But, you know, people, people like to say, just say stuff here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's that whole freedom thing. (laughs) Yeah. They just say anything. And I'm like, ooh, you can't do that. (laughs) So in regards to anti-Semitism, though, because I think it's the one thing that people are very unaware of in this country. What are things, if you feel comfortable talking about, that are blatant anti-Semitism, but people may not think that they are and aren't aware of? Because I've, you know, as I've talked with a lot of my friends in the Jewish community, and they've explained like, oh, this is actually anti-Semitism. I love being educated on that so that I'm aware. I don't think we're ever at a point where we can't learn. So just from your experience, what are, if you can name some things that could help my audience know like, oh, I didn't realize that was anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, I well, like any kind of what happens a lot in in our industry is like a lot of stereotypes about Jewish people and money, mm. and that that Jewish people run everything. Yeah. So you know, there are these stereotypes that like, oh, well, you know, the Jewish guys run everything. That the gatekeepers, or you know, they well, you know, he's good with money because he's Jewish. I'm like, you know how many broke Jewish friends I have? <laughs> like, are You're you like, serious? Please. <laughs> Please. Broke, broke, and he broke, broke, broke. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's you don't, you're not just, you don't just have money because you're Jewish. Um, I certainly didn't, and just kind of like little, it's just little comments. Yeah, they're they're little, you know. I guess I don't know if they're called microaggressions or. Yeah, absolutely. I would just definitely categorize that. They're very small, but they add up. Yes. They add up because at the end of the day, you all you hear is, oh yeah, the Jewish guy runs this, the Jewish guy runs that, Jewish guy runs that. Then all of a sudden something doesn't go right for you. And all of a sudden you're blaming the Jewish people, mm. you know, and it's just, it's very slow, a slow build, but a powerful one. Yeah. And it's not okay. Yeah. And I think the lack of awareness of just culture in general and other people's lives. And I think another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that being Jewish, it's an ethno-religious group. So I think a lot of people think some people just choose to be Jewish and that's not at all the case. It truly is. It's an ethnicity. So it's just really being more aware and, and being willing to correct it. I think, you know, if people are, you know, willing to have grace as people are learning, I know we always have to have grace as black women, right? And this just <laughs> comes with the territory. We always have to give people grace. And I know that gets exhausting <laughs> too. But the, the more people learn and are willing to learn, we can get past these things. Because I do think that, the microaggressions are the things that actually end up affecting me the most because like you said, it adds up. If somebody's blatantly racist, then I'm just like, whatever, that you go deal with it by yourself. But it is those tiny microaggressions, especially from people in your closest circles, that they'll say things and you're like, 
oh wait hold up I we need to back check what did you just say you know that, yeah <laughs> that I had last summer a big actually a massive fallout with someone over that over microaggressions mm. and those it's it's weird like it's just like you said like I'd rather someone just blatantly be like boom yeah I don't like you because this yeah okay you're like but cool peace gotta move on okay bye cool yeah <laughs> but and the problem is with microaggressions is that they always happen when your guard is down. Mm, they yeah. always happen when you feel so safe, like everything's all good, everything's super cool, and you're just chilling. And then somebody says something that's so wow. And you're like, how can you say that? How can you spend all this time with me and think that? Yeah. And it's so hurtful. Mm-hmm. It's hard to navigate. It, it really is because you you don't want to overreact, right? You don't want to be accused of overreacting, even if you're reacting normally. But we, you know, black women, we always get accused of overreacting regardless of what we do, whether we're calm, you know, or if we get upset, then we have the right to get upset. But the problem is, is that we have never really been in the position where we've been allowed to be. And we have problems giving ourselves permission to be. And even when we do, then we get gaslit. And I go on this for about two hours, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but we don't need to do that. But you're navigating all of this. And in, in the music industry, no less, which we know is one of the most difficult industries to work in, do you ever feel like there's this pressure on you as a black woman to represent all of your race in a predominantly white space? All the time. All the time. I feel that way. Um, there are many boards I'm on. There are many hats I've worn in the industry where I'm the only person of color and the only black woman. Mm. Um, many, 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 many times. And I feel incredibly responsible. Yeah. Um, it's a weight that I've had to carry for a really long time. It's, it's to the point where, like, I won't even have an argument in the street. <laughs> you know, like, if someone's angry, I'm just always like, can we talk about this somewhere inside? Because I don't even want to be looked at like an angry Black woman outside screaming in the street. You know, yeah. like, it's just the layers upon which I am aware of how people see me. Because it's funny, like, even when people, like, say my friend, like, people impersonate me, like, oh, when Autumn was like, when they impersonate me, they see me like this. Mm. <laughs> hmm. No, they're like, yeah, Autumn was like, you better not. But I was like, when do I do that? When do I do that? Right. When, when am I like, <laughs> like, but, but I realized that's how people see me. Yeah. So even, even though I'm talking like this, I'm being seen so differently and I'm talking in such a non-aggressive manner. So if I, if I were to get aggressive, I can't even imagine right. the perception of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's but you regardless, you are doing so well, obviously, you know, you, you've had a lot of uh, things thrown at you. Like you said, being a part of three marginalized groups, it's a lot, but you are just ascending to the top. And I do think that you are a great role model for 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 young black. Thank you young black females, but people in general to look at and be like, you know what, I'm, I see what Autumn's doing. I can do that, you know? And now that you've won th this Grammys, these Grammys, plural, you know, what is something now in your career that you 
feel is a little bit more attainable that you've wanted to accomplish, but now this win may make it seem a little bit more possible? Well, one of my big passions is a fair wage for creatives. Mm. So I am working really hard to make that happen in this lifetime where we're paid fairly for, if you know, we don't have health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have anything. Yeah. We don't, we're not allowed to have a union. Um, as songwriters, we're not, you know, and I would like our profession to be taken seriously and for it not to be such a, a unicorn, you know, a, such a dream, like walking on the moon to make a living mm-hmm. at this. It should be like it. If when you like, I go to Europe a lot and I see music, the way musicians live in Europe, life is better. Mm. Life mm. is different. They, they all have health insurance. So like they're already starting from a point of like, okay, you know, like they don't, they know that their, their medical is taken care of. So um, we just need a basic baseline even of survival so we can have more freedom to create art where we're not worried about, you know, sm- such small things. Yeah. Um, also like, I'd like to empower women more. Um, this, I found out that this Grammy makes me the eighth woman ever to produce on album of the year in wow. the in the history in of the, the Grammys. History of the Grammys. Wow. Wow. And the fourth non-artist, because it wasn't my album. Right. Um, those numbers are too low. Absolutely. It's just gross. So Especially I would for like the amount of female producers and songwriters there are out there. They just need to be given the chance and be recognized for their work. I absolutely agree. They need to be fairly credited. Yeah. And so I would like to help get those numbers higher. And, you know, at the same, and then my personal goals are just continue, continue making music. I really believe in, and I have a massive passion of empowering um, black artists who are incredibly musical and have messages and giving, giving them the most commercial accessible music, which still feels completely them. You know, so that way their message can reach the biggest platforms possible. I love that. So I feel like that's what I can bring to the table for artists. And I'm like, what do you want to say? Who, how do, let's work on getting this to the, the masses, you know, people, but while 100% always being you mm. and never changing anything about that. So that makes me excited to, it's like a chef, you know, cooking all this pot like oh we put a little bit of this a little bit of that yeah, this and yeah, then yeah. well we'll come up with this you know this little uh you know thing here for you and then and let's see how the world reacts and um I just I find that really exciting that's incredibly exciting well I think the sky is the limit for you truly I love everything that you're doing I'm glad that we've connected I hope to to keep in touch for sure and always be supporting you can you let everybody know where they can find you on social media or your website anywhere that they can follow you and keep up with the great work that you're doing sure um my Instagram is at autumn row my Twitter is autumn row music and my website is autumnrow.com my spelling of my name is a-u-t-u-m-n-r-o-w-e and uh, thank you so much for having me. This is such a cool show you have. Oh, thank and you. I'm really honored that you have had me on it. And thank you for voting. And um, just thanks for, you know, doing the good work. Yes. Thank you so much. 
And to the listeners, thank you for your weekly support of We Need to Talk. Make sure you like, comment, share, review, and most importantly, subscribe. Thank you to Stephen James, our theme song writer and producer. And remember, everything begins with a conversation.